Hello, Herstorians. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and welcome to another episode of Women of Herstory, a podcast dedicated to celebrating women who have made or are making their mark on our society. Sitting with me, as always, is your favorite co-host, River Banks. How was your Halloween? Mm, up the river, up let the- me tell you. <laughs> up the river and through the creek. That's the only thing I'll say right now. Uh, How was your Halloween? It was a trip. Okay, well, listen, you weren't going up a river and through a creek. <laughs> Talk to me about a trip then. <laughs> So, you guys, we are leaving the pasto times, and we are going to be talking about someone in the present. Today, we are going to be chatting about the woman recognized for her incredible handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, Commissioner of the Korea Disease Control and Prevention Agency, Jong Eun Kyung. Are you ready, River? Let's dance. Let's Oh, no. That was good. Mm Mm-hmm. Quote, The only way to fight the plague is with decency. And this quote is from Albert Camus's The Plague. It couldn't more perfectly sum up Zhang's response to the COVID-19 pandemic when it ravaged its way around the world. I must confess that this reference was made um, by Moon Jae-in in an article that I read, so big fat major credit to them, stealing a quote from another quote, but I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, it's the Michael Scott syndrome. It is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because she's still alive and apparently no one wants to inquire further into who she is and where she came from, aside from her education, I have very little to provide you with outside of her professional life. But don't be deterred. As her professional life is fascinating and wonderful and science is awesome. We love learning here. (laughs) Jung Eun Kyung was born on July 9th, 1965. Summer baby. Mm -hmm. We're going to jump in at Jung's degrees from Seoul National University that include a master's in public health and a doctorate in preventative medicine. Wow. Pretty qualified. <laughs> she may know just like a little thing or two yeah, about what's going on. Yeah, just a couple things. On. Yeah, you know, the common cold, the flu, the COVID. <laughs> Before she was setting a global example on how to deal with the pandemic, Jung joined the Korea Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or KCDC, then the KNIH, as a researcher in 1999. She had previously worked at the public health office in Yangju and has since been part of the group. With the exception of the years 2009 to 2014, where she worked at the parent organization at the Ministry of Health and Welfare as the head of Division of Disease Policy, Division of Healthcare Technology, and then later, the Division of Emergency Healthcare. Sounds like she was doing such important work. Honestly, and specifically in 2009, during the swine flu pandemic, she led the Division of Disease Policy. Wow, I forgot about swine flu. Yeah, I know, me too. Man, I wish I could forget again. (laughs) That's, no, no, that's incredible work, though. I'm glad she was, I'm glad someone who was of uh, such intelligence was, Mm -hmm. you know, Oh, like at the forefront of help helping yeah, and like these truly c- cares about it, you mm-hmm. know. 
Jung returned in February of 2014 to the KCDC to lead the Department of Chronic Disease Control Research. A month later, she was moved to the Center of Disease Prevention. Before being promoted to the head of KCDC in 2017. So basically, no matter where she goes, they're like, okay, well, you're in charge now. Wow. Uh, You're in charge in here. (laughs) Talking about moving up in the ranks, she was just the highest rank after a certain point. Mm -hmm. It's a testament to her work. Truly. At the beginning of President Moon Jae-in's office in 2017, he assigned her as director. Smart man. Mm-hmm. She had led the KCDC Center for Public Health Emergency Preparedness and Response already from 2016. Like, onward, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 2015, Zhang was responsible for the press briefings and crisis management during the MARS outbreaks. She was the head of the KCDC and field investigation team of Central Task Force. That's just, I want to be the head of a Central Task Force. Of any task force. Any, yeah, yeah. The candy just task force. Any of it. I'll, 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 the coffee you know. task force. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. The chocolate task force. You can have that one. We named all three task force that begin with a C. <laughs> That's so, so weird. So <laughs> that just shows how competent we are in life. Take that, English teacher. In 2016, the Board of Audit and Inspection ordered the suspension of nine public health officials, including Zhang, for their, quote, failure to stop the worst Mars outbreak, like, outside of the Middle East. However, it ended up being reduced to a month of reduced pay, only after the board was highly criticized by the medical and scientific community for only punishing the scientists rather than the politicians and administrators in charge. That sounds backwards. Isn't that ridiculous? That's, that doesn't make sense to me. That's so crazy. Now, let's get into her COVID-19 response. South Korea's population is slightly smaller than Italy's, with a capital bigger and denser than NYC. There was plenty of room for incredible error in this situation. From the early stages of the COVID-19 outbreak in January of 2020, Jong held daily briefings at Jong held daily briefings concerning the number of confirmed cases, origins of infections, figures on tests, quarantine, and treatment by herself. In case you didn't hear that, one more time, by herself. Yeah, I mean... She just decided that this is what needed to, like, super be done. Those are such tough calls to make uh, 10 years ago in 2020. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you talked you talked about the outbreak starting in January, or at least, like, the beginning the beginning of it. When, when it was, yeah, from, like, er, early stages. Like, the outbreak really began in, like, November. But yeah, but I was from just... From the early I mean, stages I was of when thinking, we knew what was going on. Can you imagine yeah. that it took um, until March for New York City to shut down? Mm, I know. Not to compare anything, but, but just, yeah. like, a frame of reference. Like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It wasn't until May of 2020 that she began to do these briefings every two days and with the other director. On January 15th, 2020, President Moon requested that she and the KCDC lead Korea's COVID-19 vaccination program and ongoing virus containment in the country. Sounds like she was the right person to put in charge for this. Mm -hmm. She was responsible for the interdepartmental cooperation and coordination as vaccines were authorized by the Ministry of Food and Drug Safety 
imported by the Ministry of Land, Infrastructure, and Transport, and then transported by the Ministry of National Defense. That's an efficient group of people working effectively together. Well, under her Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, right, of course, which also, again, is a testament to how capable she is. But Mm -hmm. I'm glad she was able to rally um, different sectors to come together for this very important crisis. Mm -hmm. Because of her open and honest briefings, the public voluntarily cooperated by following the given hygiene rules like face masks, washing hands frequently, and observing social distancing. Smart. And in late February, there was an outbreak discovered among the followers of, and bear with me here, Shincheonji. They were a religious group who had just held these like massive services in the city of Daegu. Perfect. Excellent. After the services, they, of course, went their separate ways. And in the middle of a highly contagious pandemic. Yep. Tis not the greatest thing. I don't think so. That doesn't seem to be uh, <laughs> beneficial to the greater population. But not at I-, all. I don't work in science. I'm a river guy. <laughs> the church initially refused to hand over the names of their congregation. But... Jong ended up being able to persuade them to disclose the names. Wow. This allowed the agency to test more than 200,000 people and to roll out one of the best contact tracing programs in the world. Um, that's amazing that they were able, that mm-hmm. she was able to finesse that arrangement. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of staunch religious groups here would probably be up in arms. Oh, yeah. Literally. Oop. <laughs> There it is. Yeah, he said it. (laughs) By late March, the number of new infections were down to just 100 per day. Korea went from the second worst COVID-19 outbreak to a per capita case 160th of the number in the U.S. Um, So. I'm giving a mental round of applause to that level (laughs) of uh, response time. Yeah, mental snaps. Because... Um, that turnaround is crazy and and it's important to make note of because where other countries kind of Mm -hmm. didn't excel, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this could be seen as a beacon of light Mm -hmm. and hope. What's really interesting is that six months before the outbreak, Jung helped to create a manual on response procedures for unidentified mass infections. (laughs) She conducted drills on a sophisticated emergency response algorithm. Isn't that crazy? I mean, she's just a brilliant woman (laughs) for that to be kind of... On uh, her radar. Yeah. 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 yeah, Exactly. On September 8th, 2020, President Moon designated her as the Commissioner of Korea Disease Control and Prevention Agency, or KDCA. Her term commenced on September 12th. This made her the last director of the KCDC and the first commissioner of the KDCA. She would continue to lead the same organization, but with more autonomy and resources. So basically, they kind of just like rebranded and they were like, you're really, really good at this. Mm -hmm. So even even better. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like especially, you know, uh, during this call uh, to help you know, that was so necessary, it seems like it's so, you know, it only made sense to give her that much more autonomy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. On Jung's last day as the KCDC director, 
President Moon visited the headquarters for her appointment ceremony as the first commissioner of the KDCA. Well, that's nice. Well, this may not sound like a big deal or out of the ordinary, but this was actually really unorthodox. I'm sure it was huge. Usually, the prime minister hosts events for vice ministerial positions, right? Zhang was the first person to have an appointment ceremony hosted by President Moon not held at the Blue House. What's the Blue House? Yeah, I was thinking about that. So glad you asked. Oh, okay. <laughs> Changwade, a.k.a. Blue House, is the executive office and official residence of the Republic of Korea's head of state. It is located in Jongno-gu of the capital city, Seoul. The complex is actually made up of several buildings, mostly in traditional Korean architecture style, sprinkled with some modern facilities, and built on the site of the Royal Garden of the Joseon Dynasty, which lasted from 1392 to 1910. So that's incredible. Right? Um, also, I'm sure those those structures look so impressive. Oh, I'm sure they're um, beautiful. If they're like a nice mix of like new and old architectural mm-hmm. um, designs, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and you said you, it was the Blue House. Yes. Cool. The Blue House. Okay. Yeah, it's really, really, really pretty. You know, she that shows how highly regarded she was to, uh, you know, um, warrant that type of yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And she's worked with him for so long, and so I wonder if the that was a big do. part of it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Jung was included in Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People of 2020. She was part of BBC's 100 Women of 2020, and she was also included in Bloomberg 50. I don't have a quote to give you at the end, so let's end on this note. Show kindness. You never know what someone else is going through. If you're going to walk slow, don't block the sidewalk. And please, please try your best to stop the spread. That's incredible. Um, I mean, just the fact that she was um, in in these lists is a show of force. It's, yes. um, you know, effectively telling us that she is someone who was a very instrumental asset mm-hmm. to not only South Korea, mm-hmm. but the you know but over there in in the eastern hemisphere yeah and also that also, just, she was right widely regarded enough to be recognized in the global in, scale yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i i love that we are talking about her today mm-hmm. and i'd like to think that there are others who are giving her the same amount of recognition if mm-hmm. not more i mean obviously if she was into if she was in those lists then she is held to a high regard, mm-hmm. but I- I'd like to think that there are more individuals besides the people who are listening to our podcast yeah. who are giving Interested. her her flowers yeah. um, because, you know, this was such a catastrophic event that we've been going through for almost two years now yeah. that um, it's important to make sure that we um, give thanks and remember, you know, keep in mind those who were so efficient in such a small amount of time. I mean, the amount of lives that were at stake, that Mm -hmm. are at stake still, Mm -hmm. and the incredible people and the work that they put in and the time that they put in to lessen the blow can't be understated, should be, um, you know, regarded for years to come. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd love to see her... um, I would love a, like, 
someone to do an in-depth interview just about her like talk like I said like it was it was difficult to find information even like really digging to find her education Mm -hmm. and there was really not a lot out there and I was like okay well I know you know this one's gonna be short and sweet but I thought it was even even if we can't fill out the 30, 40 minutes like we usually do, you know, I felt like it was absolutely worth talking about and celebrating her. I would love to see um, huge artists that have made an impact over the last year and a half, two years, interviewing um, people who were equally as important in terms of their work Mm. um, interviewed. So, like, if she was interviewed by, like, Dolly Parton, (laughs) and they went back and forth for 30 minutes being like, well, hey, honey, you know, (laughs) you know, in that accent, and then... You know, they just kind of go back and forth that being be like, great. you're an awesome woman. You did this. You're awesome, too. I love the work that you did. Aren't we awesome women? Cool. Yeah. Here's the or- organization you can donate <laughs> to in order to help us continue being awesome and help the work that we're trying to yes. do. Yes, yes. Um, to also shine light because sometimes these positions don't get, you know, glorified or yeah. they're not shown in the spotlight. Or they get blamed. Yeah, right, right. More blame than um, congratulatory, mm-hmm. where it's like these these people are at the forefront of some of the hardest decisions to have to make for mm. a human life. The least we can do is give them a little bit, a glimmer of the spotlight that we give to women like Dolly Parton, who have also done incredible work, but who have a big platform right. to get the recognition. Yeah. She doesn't have a Twitter. Right. Like, this woman, or, or you know, <laughs> if she does have a Twitter, I'm sure she's not getting a 100,000 likes in 30 minutes, yeah. you know, because of yeah. a post from, you yeah. know, a picture of her from the 80s. Yeah. So I think it's important that artists and people who have a platform do what they can to make sure that Absolutely. other people who put in the hard work who don't get that spotlight get the 15 minutes because then that also helps not just you know you feel the validation it also helps shed some more light Mm -hmm. and say well look these are the things that they're doing this is how it's been successful for them this is why they're on this list on time magazine's list this is why because they're they're successful in in their attempts to do these things that they're doing, yeah. you know? I just love it. Yeah. So that's why we did this one today, you know? This was a, a short, sweet, to the point, very fun. Not oh. so much fun. <laughs> well, it is fun to learn about someone who has had such a, an incredible impact on our planet. And still that alive. We, that most people, I know, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't know about her, so yeah. I, I wonder how many other people might not know about her, but also I live on the riverbank. <laughs> I'm a water and guy. And your name is Riverbanks. Yeah. You know, that's, you know? that's why, you gotta that's, follow suit. that's why my mom gave me that name. Yeah, definitely. That's not our last name. Oh. No, it's Rodriguez. Yikes. I don't know why. <laughs> changed my name. To, that's another episode's problem. <laughs> well, thank you, historians, for tuning in again. Subscribe, follow, tell your local blacksmith. Come back this Friday for an interview with the incredible shoe designer and owner of Laura C. London, Laura C. In this interview, she talks about how a great loss propelled her into following her passions, the launch of her newest collection, and so much more. Follow us on social media on Instagram at Women of Her Story Podcast, Twitter at The Her Story Pod, TikTok at Women of Her Story, Facebook. Women of Her Story. (laughs) 
And you can visit our website at ofherstory.com backslash November. I love it. Yeah, it's supposed to be like spooky. But a little not. It's like residual warm. spooks. Yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Residual spooks. That's going to be the name of our new podcast <laughs> where we tell relatively scary stories. Should we, should we make merch that just says residual spooks? We trademarked that. She said that, TM, but it's actually trademarked. TM women of her Copywritten, <laughs> set in stone. Until Friday, be safe, stay healthy, and show the world what you're made of. Oh, boy. Bye. Happy almost fall. Wait, it is fall. It's been fall. You can edit that. No.